God is good. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Good morning, family. This is the day that the Lord has made and we rejoice and we are glad in it. My name is Paul. I'm privileged to serve as pastor of Victory Church of Charlottesville, uh, where we exist to see people reconciled to God and to each other. Um, and this morning, uh, I want to share over the next 29 or so minutes, just pastorally, uh, a few thoughts for us as a congregation. Uh, it's not a traditional sermon per se, um, though if you want a title for the sermon uh, this morning, uh, I would title it Next Step of Obedience. Uh, Next Step of Obedience. I want to talk a bit about where we are as a congregation, Victory Church of Charlottesville, uh, where, we, where, where we go from here, particularly after finishing Jamar Tisby's uh, book, Color of Compromise, which we talked about last week with the, the various leaders. And by the way, I hope you enjoyed that time. If you were with us live or you've had a chance to uh, to, to view it since, just uh, I, I pray that it was encouraging, maybe even insightful in some ways as the leaders shared their experiences and uh, and perhaps inspiring to know more, to learn more, to do more, to be more for Jesus uh, in, a, in a way that fully expresses um, our faith in, in him. Um, and I also want to, in addition to that, though, share a little bit more, again, just pastorally around um, a few thoughts, that is, of many, as you might imagine, related to this election season. Um, and, and then we'll close out our time this morning with uh, partaking in the Lord's table. So, Lord, I thank you again for the day, this day that you have made. Uh, we do rejoice. We are glad in it. I pray that, uh, as a psalmist says, that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my rock, my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so last week, as reference, we did share uh, a bit about how we experienced Tisby's reading on the history of the American church and uh, the American church's complicity in racism specifically, and how ultimately uh, all of us can know Jesus more fully and make him more fully known. Um, no doubt, this book, I know for me and, and, and for many, it built on previous discussions, discussions that um, were already happening, quite honestly, in a lot of our victory groups, um, that that built on one and one one on one conversations that I know I've had with many of you over time, uh, the sermons preached from this space, um, and more. And I imagine for some of you it it ignited something new, for others it may have refreshed or renewed something. And for that I am so so very grateful, so very grateful. Um, and to that end, though you've asked Pastor Paul, what what's the next step? Where do we where do we go from here? Um, and while I know what you're, what you mean, if you will, what you're saying in terms of how we build as a church on this particular conversation, while I I get that and and am learning and getting that even more with each passing day, I'm also careful to note that the next step for us as a church remains the same as it's always been for the church. Matthew 28:19 and 20 says. Uh, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That is still and always will be the great commission, 
the next step, if you will. And at Victory, our discipleship process is three-pronged, and it includes attending on Sunday mornings, which, of course, now is in this virtual space where we can get uh, X's and O's, if you will, for us more corporately. Um, In addition now, though, to our more intimate time and, could I say, more important than we even realize time for those who call Victory home that we have also at 9.30 a.m. prior to this time, Um, Secondly, serving on one of our ministry teams. Uh, Most of our teams, even virtually, are still serving, even amidst the pandemic. Victory Kids still active. Victory Teens is still active. Our prayer team, our AV and communications team, and more are serving as unto the Lord with other people. And there's room for you, even in this space, to do the same, again, as an act of worship to Jesus. Thirdly, in addition to attending, in addition to serving on a ministry team, Uh, there is participating in a weekly victory group. Uh, Typically, they're sermon-based during our our fall, our winter, and our spring sessions with special topics over the summer, Um, though this current fall semester we're actually creating room for special topics groups just given the uniqueness of this time that we're in. Um, And whenever we've talked about discipleships, those are our sort of the three pieces of our very recursive process that we know it's not about the process. The process just situates us well for us to encounter Jesus. But when we've talked about this uh, particular process or discipleship more broadly, we've always defined it as taking the next step of obedience. With every scripture, every sermon, every victory group, every book reading we do together, take the next step. What does that look like to take the next step of obedience? Apostle Paul says it this way in Philippians 3, chapter 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And so in between large church endeavors like the one we just had with Tisby's readings, and no doubt we will have more for sure, what do we do with it and other uh, spaces like it within the existing discipleship structure that, that persists? And if victory is not your home, what does the taking the next step of obedience look like for you wherever you might be? I nor I expect any other pastor would expect the conversation to accomplish the vision. One conversation, one sermon series, one book study, one semester's time of, of doing life in community. But brick upon brick upon brick upon brick upon brick we build. And most importantly, what what separates us from every other institution or organization is that we unapologetically and explicitly invite the Holy Spirit, and we are continuing that series from last month into this month, on the Holy Spirit. We invite the Holy Spirit to breathe on every single brick. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. And so my prayer and prayerfully, our collective prayer is that we continue to, to layer into our everyday lives the language and context and history gained from Tisby's reading this summer, the Be the Bridge experience that, that some are actually doing right now in their victory groups, a Sunday sermon, the list of anti-racism resources that we've posted on our social media. You can see the link uh, in the bio for our Instagram page, for example through your ministry service, or however God is meeting you where you are. I pray that we would chew on that word of God differently now, 
as we hear, as we read and study and memorize and meditate on the word of God every single day. Amen. That our intentionality in our relationships would be different, that our generosity would increase and that every day we would take the next step of obedience. And now here we find ourselves in the midst of an election season. An election season uh, with much opportunity um, to take that next step of obedience. Um, I don't know about any of you watching this morning, but I know I just want to know Jesus more fully. And I just want to make Jesus more fully known. I want to know him for me and my own growth and continued development as a follower of Jesus Christ. And as we know through scripture, that work is lifelong. But not just for me, but so that others can look at my life and know Jesus more fully through who and what they see in me. How are we taking the next step of obedience in this election season? How are we getting to know Jesus more fully and make him more fully known in our respective spheres of influence? Victory Church of Charlottesville, as I mentioned up front, we exist to see people reconcile to God and to each other. So we are here, for example, to make Jesus fully known by those who have been uh, physically abused. To make him fully known to the couple going through marital difficulty by the couple who can't have children or have lost children by the teenager who's thinking about taking his or her own life by the single parent trying to navigate multiple things and honor their children and honor their workspace by the retiree who is trying to to understand and grow into what purpose looks like now by the college student who measures their worth by their GPA or the graduate student by uh, their GRE score or as a doc student, the number of publications that they already have in the pipeline or grants for that matter. We get to be an extension of Jesus for, for the one battling disease and struggling not to blame it on God. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus to participate in many being reconciled to God and then to others, to others placed in their sphere of influence on this planet. And racial reconciliation is a part of our knowing Jesus fully. Revelations, uh, Revelation chapter 7 verse 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. I believe, if I, as I've said before, heaven's going to have some elevation music and some John P. Key. And side note, if you want to help me uh, in my heavenly Apple music playlist, you can drop even in the Facebook thread what you hope that our heavenly DJ will be playing up there when we get to heaven. Thank you for that. Close that parenthetical. But check this out. It, 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 it's actually okay to... If you're waiting even to get to heaven to hear one or the other elevation or Hezekiah or John Piquet or whoever you want to listen to, that's okay if you want to spend 
your time here on earth only hearing Carrie Job or only hearing uh, uh, Kirk Franklin. That's fine. You don't have to come and hear the crazy creative set list that our Victory Worship team puts together that has Hezekiah Walker and Todd Delaney and Elevation Music and Maverick City Music and Hillsong. Sometimes, if I'm honest, I wonder, how did I even get here? I grew up, as you know, in a traditional black church on only black gospel music, and I was very okay with that. Played drums for a while in a, a gospel choir in college called Black Voices at UVA, and I was okay with that. Could probably be in a black church right now and be fine, happy even. But what isn't fine are the conditions and the, 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 the dynamics that have produced the need for the black church, the continued need, the, the conditions that perpetuate the segregation, division that persists today. And so as such, it was clear and it is clear that he's called me here and he's called some of you here right now for this season to know Jesus more fully in this way on this side of heaven even and especially in an election season like we find ourselves in right now. And might I say, not just racial reconciliation. I really want that woman, that girl, who is contemplating ending her pregnancy because it was, as she says, an, an accident, didn't, wasn't supposed to happen, I want that woman or girl to know that before that baby was ever formed in her womb, God knew them. Just like he knew Jeremiah. It says in Jeremiah 1 and 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were, I set you apart. I appointed you. I want that wife and that mother who was contemplating ending her pregnancy because their life is at risk if they go through with the delivery. To know that Psalm 34 and 8 says God is near the brokenhearted and that he loves them still and cares about just how hard and agonizing a decision it will be to end their pregnancy. And that should they do, there's no condemnation. I want that man or woman to know that Jesus sees just how inextricably linked such conversations are even to the historic oppression of women in multiple spaces. I just want to know and want all to know that Jesus can't be boxed into the political talking points. And I want to know Jesus more fully to that end and for him to be more fully known. I want us to take the next step of obedience in that regard. I want to go back if I could, and um, tell the childhood friend who we all knew was gay, never talked about it, that he doesn't have to go and jump out of his apartment building in the Bronx to his death just because he didn't know how to navigate it all. I want to tell the person who's alive to hear today that Jesus never intended for us to beat people over the head with, with Romans 1, 
1 Corinthians 6, 1 Timothy 1, Jude. That the truth of God's word also includes grace, includes love, includes empathy, not sympathy, but empathy for, for what the experience must be like in a society that constantly mocks and berates and belittles their value and their worth and at even times kills Matthew Shepard. Wyoming years ago and many others should still be here today. What happened to him wasn't right. That God loves them and every LGBTQ plus individual. He loves you and God sent his son to die for you. I just want to know Jesus more fully and I want Jesus to be fully known. I want for all of us to take that next step of obedience. And I want to to be able to pray for the health of our current president of the United States. I want to mature in that way. And I would want for us to know that as followers of Jesus Christ, that it's not okay for any president of the United States, of any party, to tell individuals like the ones who marched with tiki torches in Charlottesville in August of 2017 to stand back and stand by. That's not okay. Yes, Romans 13 uh, talks about government and authority being God-ordained, and we ought be subject to them. Yes, and that no government, again, in any side of the aisle, gets it completely right. And as Christians, according to Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9, Isaiah verse, chapter 1, verse 17, we should not enable it or stand silently by, even and especially if we voted for them. By the way, parenthetical, please register to vote. Exercise your constitutional right, please. But bear in mind, as we do so, that we have in our mind the man who said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 and 14, when Joshua asked him, are you for us or for our enemies? Superimposed on our conversation today, are you Republican or are you Democrat? Where do you stand? What line are you on? What side of the line are you on? And the man in Joshua chapter 5, verse 14 said, neither. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. I know we cast a vote for one or the other. I've already done it. We have to make a choice. Please make a choice. Register and vote. And as you go, do so as a member of the army of the Lord. As you engage each other in conversations, do so as members of the army of the Lord, which will bring way more nuance to the oversimplistic renderings of our current political dialogue. Jesus, he hung high. He was stretched wide for all of us and our sins so that reconciliation could happen. Ultimately, between us and him, and by extension between you and me, and he's given us to that end, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 says, the ministry of reconciliation to steward. And so cast your vote with a biblical conscience, knowing him more fully today than you did yesterday. 
more fully tomorrow than you did today. What's next? God, I pray it's that we take the next step of obedience. What's in front of us right now? What discipleship process are you already engaged or not in? And yes, we need the Holy Spirit to even have a shot. 1 Corinthians 14 says, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit and excel in those that build up the church. Holy Spirit, come. Come. For it's by your Spirit, as we started off last month's series with Zechariah 4 and 6, not by might nor by power, but by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, may the words of our heart and the meditation of the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable, Jesus, in your sight. O Lord, our strength, our rock, our redeemer. We live for you. And it's in you. Through you that we have our very being. Help us to digest the general tenor of scripture and to be ambassadors for the kingdom of God here in the earth. To take every experience, every sermon, every devotional time and quiet prayer time and small group discussion and, and layer it into our everyday engagements and lives in small groups and beyond for how best we can worship you, forgive more quickly, love more quickly, repent and apologize more quickly. Wherever we all find ourselves every day, God, may we work out our soul salvation with fear and trembling, recognizing who you are and whose we are. And with that, what brings us to this space, Victory Church or the church more broadly, is the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross for us. And so I want to give a few seconds for you to grab your communion elements as we remember the sacrifice of Jesus, without which what we do is here is futile on Sunday mornings. His sacrifice, his death, his burial, and his subsequent resurrection is our faith. And so this communion moment, albeit virtually, is so critical for us to collectively recall, reflect upon that very sacrifice that propels us to loving him more, more fully, and making him more fully known. So I'll give a couple of seconds for you to grab your communion elements if you don't already have them. And by elements, it could be juice and cracker, water and bread, whatever you can find that would be symbolic of the body of Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ. When we talk about communion and we do so every first Sunday of each month, it's the celebration of the gospel gospel being <clears throat> that Jesus Christ took on our sin, received the wages of sin, which was death. We didn't have the currency to pay that because we weren't sinless. He was. So he did that in our place so that we could be made whole through him, not in anything of our own, but only through him. 
And so when we participate in communion, we partake in the Lord's table, if you will. This is for anybody who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And that, by the way, can happen right now on the altar of your heart. Simply saying yes to his will and to his way for your life. The Bible does, though, say in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that we should not take communion lightly or in an unworthy manner. So at this time, I want us to take a moment in our hearts just to ponder, examine the ways we've fallen short, and to reflect on just the gravity of his sacrifice on our behalf. Let's take a minute and just examine our hearts in that way. God help us. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in, in the beginner, beginning of the latter part of verse 30, 23, that on the night that our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. It's broken for you. Do this, eat this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. Verse 25 of that same chapter says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We fall short every day, and yet you forgive us. You're faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We come before you confessing every fault, every thought, every deed that we know of and that we're not aware of. The ways that we even express uh, uh, our dedication to you that may be amiss. God, help us to come in alignment with who and how you are, such that those who see and observe who and how we are would see you and be fully reconciled to you and each other. Thank you for the sacrifice on Calvary's cross on our behalf, such that we could be made whole. We recognize today it's not anything that we've done. No, no work of ours but that you give us a chance to extend our faith in you and that by your grace, through our faith, we can be saved. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Family, uh, we love you. We pray that together, we can live in victory and more fully know Jesus and make him fully known. I pray that we remain on the altar as our victory worship team sings. And I think I'll even play that as we head out. We remain on the altar 
uh, on bended knee, if you will, whether physically or just in our heart's posture, recognizing again who we are and whose we are. Family, let's live in victory. Love you.